That's how I want to get rid of all the cats. You you want to get rid of all the cats by having sex with them, Ben? <laughs> Until they don't exist. Hey, Ben. Hey, Jess. You must be super excited. Lots of new Pokemons. Yeah, I noticed that. There were uh, a couple primate Pokemon that I thought were pretty interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How many monkey Pokemon are there now? Um, we've got the Mankey line, mm-hmm. the Chimchar line. Of course. A lot of people would count Slacking as okay. a gorilla. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Darmanitan. Uh-huh. The Simi-Sage. Simi-Seer. Simi-Poor. Gotcha. Aepom and Ambipom. You just have a list of all the monkeys in your mind? Yes. <laughs> Those are the ones that come to mind. And then now we've got, what is it? Passimian and Oranguru. Or Oranguru. I'm not sure how you would say it. What are your thoughts on these two additions? I really like Passimian. Yeah? Yeah, I think it's cool because it's uh, it's not actually a monkey. It's more of a lemur. If you look up like a roughed lemur, there's a lot of visual similarities there. You said roughed uh, lemur? Oh, okay. He's wearing a leather jacket for some reason. <laughs> if you search for roughed lemur in the Google side, yeah. the first image is he's wearing a leather jacket. Ah, like R-U-F-F lemur? Uh, okay, I see that. But anyway, back to the simian, though. Thoughts on Facimian? I'm wondering if he'll get ball moves. Oh, okay, like gyro like ball. Gyro ball, electro ball. Energy ball. Energy ball, right. I think that would make sense. And uh, and probably fling. Fling? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would imagine he gets fling. So if he gets ball moves, that would be thematic and actually give him really wide coverage, too. But he's probably a physical attacker. Probably going to get Seed Bomb. Yeah, I can see that. So that would be kind of cool. Uh, the ability is really interesting as well. Yeah, what's going on there? As I understand it, if you're in a double battle, mm-hmm. or possibly even in singles, but when, some, when a Pokemon faints, he like takes the ability of that Pokemon. He takes the ability of... Of whoever fainted. So, like, if you're in a oh, double oh, battle... allies. Yes, at least allies. Because I know in the video they demonstrated allies. Oh, it says on the page allies. Pokemon inherit the ability of an ally who fainted in battle. Yeah. So that's pretty neat. You yes. could, like, strategically use that to give him some kind of immunity or huge power. Can he learn Sandstorm and he, like, just wants to kill, uh, so he gets Wonder Guard? Shedinja. Shedinja. If I had to guess, I would say it doesn't work with Wonder. You can also use it for, like, ability passing. Oh, gotcha. So you can send somebody out and, you know, copy the ability onto Passimian, and then maybe, like, somehow get it onto, like, Slacking. And then you could have two Pokemon. I'm assuming Passimian will be decent stats-wise and usefulness. 
I'm imagining him being like Hitmonchan, Hitmonlee tier Pokemon. Yeah. Something that can be used. Maybe not something really good, but something usable. So, while Passimian gets a unique ability, I'm excited about the orangutan's move. Instruct? Instruct. Yeah. Yes. For Oranguru? Guru? Sage Pokemon. Yes, this is another really cool Pokemon. This is our second uh, orangutan Pokemon. Yeah, first being Darmanitan. And I like how when they did the ancient names, they switched up what part of the word orangutan they borrowed from. <laughs> so Darmanitan took the Itan, mm-hmm. and Oranguru took the Orang. It's kind of interesting. So the word Orangutan in Indonesian literally translates to person of the forest. Person of the forest. Yeah, Orang means person, and Utan or Hutan is forest or jungle. And in the description, they say, let's see. Long ago, people thought Oranguru were humans who dwelled in the forest depths, so they called them the people of the forests. So that's like a shout out. And there's actually a lot of shout outs to orangutans in the description. Like they talk about how they use human tools and they mimic people, mm-hmm. which is something that uh, orangutans are known for mimicry. They even talk about providing medicine. There's some research into whether or not orangutans use medicinal plants. That's what you were doing when you were in Indonesia, right? Yes. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Now, here's the thing that I like about him. His shaggy fur totally looks like a cape. Yes. That's actually the technical term for it. Really? Yeah, so male orangutans... Orangutans are really sexually dimorphic, so the males and females look noticeably different. Mm-hmm. And one of the traits is males have a cape of fur. And it's more pronounced in Bornean orangutans and Sumatrans. That's a description that I would see in like a scientific paper would be that they have a cape. I was walking home from lunch today and was thinking about this orangutan guy's move, instruct. Mm-hmm. And I wondered how it worked with one-hit KO moves. Does that really mean that you get ten of them? Because you get five fissures for whoever's actually using it. And then if you instruct them, you get extra shot at doing a one-hit KO. wonder do what kind we, of moves don't work with instruct. Well, do we know that the Pokemon doesn't burn through PP when instructed? No, we don't. That's a good point. So if they don't, I'd imagine, but you're right, there are possible restrictions on which moves can be instructed. I also wonder how this works for priority. With moves with higher priority, and then you instruct them to use it again, and it says most recent used move. So can you use moves that you've run out of PP? It doesn't take their turn, right? Do you get to attack twice with the second guy? So you've got two Pokemon out. Uh-huh. The Pokemon uses Surf. And then Orangaroo instructs Surf and Surf happens again. Right. But let's say that they're speed tied, Orangaroo and whoever's using Surf. And the second turn, 
Orangaroo uses Instruct again. Um, and your teammate picks another move other than Surf. Instruct's going to happen, and it's going to execute Surf, right? And then the the Pokemon's going to do its normally scheduled move, right? So, like, could you if, use or if Orangaroo is faster? Yeah, the second turn. So let's say Wishiwashi surfs. Uh-huh. Orangaroo instructs a surf. Correct. And then on Wishiwashi's turn, Wishiwashi tackles. Yes. Yes. So you could have a Pokemon using two different moves in a turn. Could you have a Pokemon use two different moves and the move that's being instructed doesn't have PP anymore? I do not know. I think that all boils down to whether or not Instruct consumes PP. Yeah. Because, so you could say it would make sense if Instruct did not consume PP. I would Because agree. you're already spending the PP to use Instruct. Mm-hmm. So you would essentially be paying two PP. You know what I'm saying? So I could see it being that Instruct doesn't impact PP usage on the instructed Pokemon. Which would mean if you have PP of 7, you might get 14 off. Anyway, I really like uh, Orangaroo a lot. As do I. I'm also excited. I'm curious what shiny Orangaroo looks like. Yeah, I hope his cape's a different color. I'd like to see like the red like the traditional orangutan color. Yeah, kind of copper. Mm-hmm. The abilities aren't... I mean, telepathy is good because that prevents taking damage on, uh, you know, like surf and things and double battle from your friend. Oh. Right? Isn't that what telepathy does? I think so. That sounds about right. But the other ability is inner focus, which is not super impressive to me. Yeah, I don't like it when they hand out inner focus for flavor reasons, just because it's like, uh. <laughs> but I guess if he's, he probably is slower. I would guess. But he's psychic, so I don't know how that would work. Right. He could just fly really fast. We also just don't know anything about stats either. Yeah. Looks like they're doing lots of normal plus something else uh, Pokemon. I wonder why they're doing that. I don't know. I mean, that's interesting. So, like, Oranguru benefits from that because he's no longer weak to this. Well, it's Shadow Ball, right? He's immune. Yes. He loses a weakness. And still neutral to fighting instead of resisting. So that's not horrible. Girafferig had this typing, right? Yes. So it's not like a horrible typing, but it is interesting that they've thrown a lot of normal some things out. They might just have a checklist somewhere of what type combinations haven't been done and they want to knock them all out. Okay, so what else did we see in that video? Alright, let's see. Oh, they introduced Lugarugan, whose real name in English is something different. Mm. Lycanroc? Lycanroc. Lycanroc. Yeah, so I think that's a good name. 
Yeah, I think so. I like the word lichen. Sand rush. Is that speed boost in sandstorm? Yes, sir. And, and we've, it loses the normal typing, too. I thought that was kind of interesting. Just because a lot of rock Pokemon look like rocks. Yes. And I guess midday form does have, like, rock spines. Yeah, I didn't notice that when I was first looking at it. Yeah, I just thought they were hairs. Mm-hmm. I think it's more obvious on the like 3D model of the game than it is in the art. But I don't necessarily see the same rockiness on the midnight form. Yeah, I think it's in those <clears throat> weird back spikes. And maybe his yeah. Uh, so it looks like a cell rock is... Exclusive to midday. Yeah. And midnight forms move is counter? Yeah. I feel like giving someone an exclusive new priority move and someone else uh, counter seems a little unfair. I, I, I agree. I think midnight forms rockiness is in those weird side spikes. And in his hair, if you look at that weird flipped like over the, hair. Yeah, the emo hair. Mm-hmm. And maybe his ears. Like when his ears are bent down. Yeah, and they have that covering to them. But there's that goofy picture of him leaping, if you scroll down on his page. It's just like, rah! <laughs> jumping up in the air. Hooray! Pikachu gets a... uh Signature Z move. <laughs> yeah. Now, I just love the little dance that Pikachu does when they're doing the Z moves. Because they're like, got it choreographed and everything. And then the trainer just picks Pikachu up and throws him in the air. <laughs> yeah. And Eevee got a non attacking one. Yes, I did see that. And that was. That was like a pretty significant move, too. It's just a lot of stat boosts. But it does reveal that we don't get a new evolution, right? Right, because we don't see one in the display. The the character customization from Gen 6 is back. Yay, I'm excited about that. It looks like it's even more intense. So much uh, customization. The uh, like the outfit and hair options that were kind of demonstrated in the video seemed more varied. I didn't really experiment with it a lot in Gen 6. No? I mean, I like made a dude, but I didn't change the clothes more than a couple of times. Um, it's pretty fun. Uh, I ended up wearing like camo pants and a black shirt. Yeah, I wear camo pants and a green shirt. Oh man, we're too similar. We have to... <laughs> Make my guy different. I'll, I'll be wearing cargo pants and a black shirt. Cargo pants. So, absorption, Sentry, he's sun, which we already knew. Uh, and his entire body is covered with bulging, powerful muscles. The full force of a punch powered by these muscles would be off the charts. Its distinctively long mouth is said to be harder than diamond. Could the Ultra Beast also be be used to attack? I didn't notice before, but it looks like Absorption has the Ash Ketchum gloves on. 
those like, workout gloves. I had weightlifting gloves. I wonder if Ladian has those too. We could check. Also, didn't they say something about how it can attract Pokemon regardless of sex? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it says there. Uh, they become infatuated and lose the will to battle. So, I wonder if that extends to genderless Pokemon? I would guess so, but maybe not. Quite horrible for Magnemite, too. Like, to suddenly have an emotion that you've never had before. <laughs> like, all the thoughts rushing through its head. Like, what is going on? What is this feeling? Its little eye just, like, rolling around. <laughs> Alright, so Gladian does not have the weightlifter gloves on. Okay, cool. Hmm. So the, the comparison with Gladian is the weakest of the three human to ultra beast comparisons, I would say. Agreed. Now, beauty sort of looks like human insect, right? So mm -hmm. What kind of insect would you say that is? Mm -hmm. She's very long antenna. Very thin body. I'm guessing her hair is actually two wings. So insects with two wings are in the family Diptera, which means two wings, Diptera. And nocturnal makes me think of like mayflies. And she doesn't like actually look like a mayfly. But I do have, they have like a really long, uh, it's not an antenna. I can't remember the word for it, but they have very long, like, projections off of the back of their abdomen. Hmm. I'm not sure. It would not surprise me if there was a specific insect she's based on. So, interesting thing I didn't notice before. Beauty and absorption both share the same Ultra Beast number. Yes, I think that's because they're version exclusive. Guessing that the jellyfish will be in both versions. You get an insect. And we don't know how many Ultra Beasts there will be. Yeah, it'd be kind of silly if, to number them if there's only like three. So we've got five islands. One of them being artificial and four natural. So it could be that there's an Ultra Beast on every island. That'd be cool. It's also kind of interesting, so UB1 is a, a jellyfish-looking thing. And if you were to look at, like, a, a tree of animals, jellyfish and idarians, which is kind of a basic mm -hmm. group of organisms. You know, like coral, jellyfish, pretty simple. Cucumbers? Sea cucumbers are echinoderms. Oh. But then we move on to UB2, are insects. So I wonder if we'll maybe, like, climb the evolutionary ladder, so to speak. Oh, that's a great thought. Going from uh, invertebrates so far, a jellyfish and an insect. So maybe UB4 will be a vertebrate. I see what you're going for. Or we'll go, like, jellyfish, insect fish, reptile, mammal, or something like that. 
let's see if that happens because that that's a pretty cool observation. Hopefully, there's not a tardigrade ultra beast because it would be an unkillable monster. <laughs> One thing about the EVZ move, like the posing of the evolutions. Mm-hmm. It's kind of entertaining to me. Like, Vaporeon's got a look on her face like, you don't want to fuck with this. You messed with the wrong Eve. And then Espeon's, like, looking off into the distance. They have, like, these weird little grins. You about to get Eevee'd up. So I thought that was kind of a fun thing. They're really spending a lot of time animating these moves. They certainly are. I like all the little goofy dances and hand signs. <laughs> there was also something that I noticed in the video, and maybe it's been in other videos prior to this and I just wasn't paying attention. But, uh, so in the part of the video where they're showing Orangaroo's signature move, Instruct, there's part of the video where the trainer can be seen behind the two opponent Pokemon. Yes, yeah, they mentioned that in E3. Which is inconsistent, it like comes and goes. Yeah, maybe like for main battles, they'll have characters rendered, but I don't know if they'll do that for all the randos, all the bug catchers and whatnot. It would be cool, Yeah. either way. This week is... Employee Appreciation Week at the bank, and everybody is sending thank you e-cards to each other, and Mm -hmm. I get one from this guy that I have been helping. He says, you know, thank you for all your help, general pleasantries at the beginning, and then his last sentence, the very last one, is... I strive to immolate you every day. <laughs> that's that's like really intense. But it, oh, look up the word immolate. Oh, wait, immolate, not emulate. Yes, I am. <laughs> like burn you. Yes, I was I laughing am. for like two, three minutes straight, uh, <laughs> just out loud, and people were like looking at me and stuff. And <laughs> once I finally stopped laughing, I was like. I got a really mixed message from that uh, thank you letter. He's like, you know, great job and stuff. And I want to sacrifice and kill you and burn you alive. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> the uh, night is dark and full of terrors. That it is. I, I imagine he meant emulate. But... <laughs> I hope so too. English yeah. isn't his first language. Ah, uh, okay. So that makes it slightly more understandable. <laughs> but I was just like, oh no. <laughs> death threat through a thank you letter. Accidental death threat. Uh, Speaking of the Lord of Light, that reminds me of Age of Mythology Game of Thrones mod uh, idea that kind of popped into my head. Right, I saw your email about that. I wanted your input on how would you do civs slash like dividing up major gods. I've seen a lot of folks have done major, like, mods in Asian mythology. Like, there's a big Lord of the Rings mod that came out, like, ten years ago. And they use, like, the actual in-book 
mythic characters from the Lord of the Rings book. Mm -hmm. But Age of Empires 3 kind of implements the god system, but not through like a polytheistic god system, because that's based on like colonial ages. Instead, they do sort of a, a sponsor system. So like when you go to Age Advance, you select a sponsor. Do you want to select a scientist or a bishop as your sponsor? Okay. You could try to implement the various religious systems from A Song of Ice and Fire, but it might make more sense to kind of go through selecting patrons. Okay, so your major house would be Lannister, and then you mm-hmm. can pick between different Lannisters as you advance. Right. And you could select, like, maybe early on you're choosing between, like, the Lannister, like, the children. Mm-hmm. And then you've got maybe Cersei or Jaime, Kevin or Tywin. I see what you're saying. That might fit with the universe a little better than trying to be like, I'm gonna go through the Lord of Light. Oh, I go through the Drowned God. There's also a lot of monotheism in Game of Thrones. I was thinking about like Civ level, would that just be the races of men? Because there's Andals and Valyrians, the, what are they called, the first men? So you could do that. The Andals, uh, I'd have to read up on my Game of Thrones, but I think most of the contemporary people are descended from the Andals. So, like Baratheons. And right. Lannister folks are all Andal. Right. I think the only people who are descended from the first man would be people in the north. What about the Dornish? Not certain where they come from. Okay, because they seem the most different from the rest of the Andals if they are Andals themselves. But you could do something along the lines of you've got Westerosi, Dothraki, and uh they are from a different group of people uh the Ro- Roinar Ronar yeah Ronar whoever that those are so they're not really enough they they'd probably still be Andal if Dorn was going to be in the game well cuz you could do cuz there really aren't a lot of like first men left that's like a historical group if i was going to implement it I would do, like, the Civ would be Westerosi. Okay. And then the major gods would be Lannister, Stark, Ironborn. Okay. And then the minor gods would either be different Starks, or you could even do minor houses. Okay. So, like, the Car Starks or the Glovers. And then you eventually get up to, like, the Freys or the Tullys or whatever. And so that would be one whole sieve. Mm-hmm. And then you would have, like, the Dothraki. And, and then you, you might have... you see, you get Dothraki right. cavalry. Or even the Dothraki would be their own separate thing. And you could choose Daenerys, call whatever, make up a call. I don't know if there's enough Dothraki nobility and names to really do a whole sieve. But I feel like there's a lot of potential to do things with the Bravosi and the people from Karth. So you could have like an Essos race. Yeah, Westeros, Essos. 
Yeah. And then there's Sussos as well, right? The southern. Right. But we don't really have as much detail on the southern folks, uh, but they do exist. So if you did the different houses, right, mm-hmm. would the Targaryens be part of Essos or Westeros? Hmm. I would probably, I would say it depends on what time period you're setting things in. If you were going for like a historical time period, they might be a Westerosi thing. When they do civs, right, for the most part, they have the same core units, but then they get special units separately. Right. It'd be cool if you had a patron that was Khaleesi, for example, that you would get dragon myth units, or, you know, you'd get bonuses that are references to your Valyrian descent. So, like, your units are take less damage from fire, or you get, like, Valyrian sword upgrades. Mm -hmm. That would be cool. That would be cool. But as a little nod, like, your cavalry are... Dothraki screamers and stuff. What kind of mechanics would major houses deploy, you think? And the civs in general? Like the Lannisters would be a little more structured. Structured in what way? So you might program the units to like benefit from being in a group. Sort of like so formations. Prefer, prefer like large numbers. Right. Like a lot of lower quality troops that benefit from either being in formation or being in large numbers. It's like as they whittle down, they get weaker. Not just from being fewer, but also from like not having a shield formation type thing. That's kind of like a reference to how they just buy people, right? Right. Okay. And how maybe the soldiers themselves aren't well trained individually. But because they have good, consistent equipment, they can make a shield wall really effectively and defend with that. And then the Starks might have higher quality individual units, but they take up more population room or they cost more. From at least those two houses, you're seeing differences where you get cheaper but less effective units Mm -hmm. from Lannisters. But you probably have like abilities that are based around money. Right, you have economic powers. Like, maybe your caravans are just so much better. 20% more gold or something. And then, like, certain houses would have naval benefits that others wouldn't have. Ooh, so the Ironborns, like, their long ships are faster and easier to build or something. I think the Manderleys do boats, which is a minor house in the north. The Tyrells have boats. If you don't choose the correct house, you might not have boats at all. I was considering whether or not the Night Watch would be a house or not, as it stands by itself, or if it would just be like a unit. Hmm. I don't know. Because on one hand, it's like, oh yeah, you could totally have all of Bravos be a race, but then, like, how many characters do you know from Bravos? Right, how you differentiate the civs, like the individual major god type tracks. Or if they'd just be a unit that you could deploy. Right. Bravosi swordsmen. Well, that would be if you did Westeros and Essos. The Essos might have access to Dothraki cavalry, Bravosi swordsmen. Um, So it would be less specific for that race, where the race isn't 
Like you'd have all those different units together in one army? Possibly. So that's like the continent of Essos. Right, if they were unified. Because you could possibly work out... Like the Dothraki, I could see you having they could three be or like four units. Right? Mm-hmm. I feel like they'd be similar to them. But maybe they don't have very good ships. I wouldn't imagine they have ships at all. But then they couldn't really play on certain maps without some kind of ally or something. Because you could have like a Blood Rider hero unit where you get four of them. You could have a call unit where you can only have one, right? And then you could have, you could have like infantry and cavalry based units. I know at one point in the books they talk about one of the Blood Risers has a bow. So you could do a horse archer. Yeah, you could have a horse archer versus like a horse swordsman. And then maybe some sort of like pillage effect where while they're attacking, they gain resources. I like that idea. I saw that. That that is a mechanic in another game I've played. I also thought it'd be cool if you had the Mad King as your patron. That (laughs) you cause madness and uh, there's chances of converting enemy units around you. That might not work out very well, but that's one thought. That, That could be like a good power. Like traitor. Yes. But like an area of effect for traitor. But that, that'd be like if you pick, like if you're picking specific people. And I'm not sure if we're picking specific people for houses or like how that works. Right. Because are we saying the major god is the house? So in the, like the political structure in Westeros, have I ever sent you my Westeros map? Yes, you have. So there's a Warden of the North, a Warden of the West. You kind of break it down into three or four sections, and then there's Dorn. So you could kind of have, you know, major houses act like major gods, and then minor houses like minor gods. And minor houses might contribute a specific unit, or just like, okay, you know, this house benefits swordsmen. Gotcha. Whereas another house might benefit spearmen. So, but for like the overall sieve of Westeros, they'd have some overlying mechanic, right? Like all the Norse benefit from attacking. Right. So like their resource structures would be similar, or maybe like they would all be able to build a similar base set of buildings. Okay. Because I could see you wanting to differentiate like if you pick Lannister, you guys mine gold faster, or you have less penalties for trading. And caravans are better, but you might be your units are just cheaper. Right. Another mechanic that I don't know if you could implement would be like a siege mechanic. Like you could do it in specific scenarios, like in the campaigns where you like siege Troy. Uh-huh. Like implementing a really good mechanic where you can like hunker down in a fort. So not just having your units climb into a tower and have the towers. Right. I uh, was thinking of god powers. And dragon fire totally came to mind. You could have, like, if you pick Circe, 
her god power <laughs> could be like pretty much like earthquake or meteor, but a big explosion. You could even have like the alchemists be a unit. Oh. And that could be like Cersei's signature unit. Ooh, and you could have the mountain be like a myth unit. And then maybe Kingsguard would be like um, Jamie's signature unit. I don't know. There's definitely a lot to work with. Ooh, you could have Traitor be the god power for Jamie since he killed the Atkin. <laughs> But yeah, I was, I was thinking about that over the week. So you're you're kind of thinking Civ is still your continent, but your uh, house determines units and yeah. resource gathering strategies. Because I'm seeing for like the north, you could have wogs and wildlings, um, direwolf kind of units, maybe if you pick to ally with the king over the wall, mm-hmm. that you get wildling units, and you can get access to maybe giants and things like that. The Night King could be some sort of playable myth unit. Yeah, because then you, that'd be cool, like, uh, he does enough damage to a unit, and they instantly, or like when a unit dies, they come back to your side for like with half health or something like that. Right, right. That's kind of cool. Um, what else is there? Oh, if the Dornish are implemented, like Dornish weapon upgrade maybe causes the poison effect Yeah. combat. I see like yeah. the Dornish having uh, hoplite similar units. Right, but focusing more armor. on focusing on spears a little more than yeah. There's definitely and like if you were to do wildlings, I would give them very minimal buildings. Okay, so like maybe they get tents or um, like wood wall level upgrades. Right, but I would also expect them to sort of have the. Uh, the most myth units. Okay, so like they could have the children of the forest. Um, Giants, wargs, skin changers, giant direwolves. Because that's the thing, I don't see there being a lot of opportunities for myth units. Because I was seeing like the north being able to deploy direwolf um, like wog could like generate monsters or like animals that are stronger than just the set you know how like sets uh, pharaohs and uh, priests can convert animals It'd be cool <clears throat> if the wog did that but those converted animals were better you know <laughs> like not just a giraffe but right wog giraffe you know, might set up a technology that uh, you research that boosts all animals. Yeah. And then once you convert it, the technology would apply. I could see the wildlings having a better 
line of sight than other units, like other civs, because they're used to like living in the woods and tracking and stuff. So they'd probably be at least more alert, more aware, maybe. Oh, that might be a stretch. But... Let's see. Yeah. Oh, and maybe they, do wildlings really use bows very much? I'd have to look into it. Okay. I feel like the... A little bit, at least. Yeah, because I feel like that one love interest that Jon Snow had um, mm -hmm. was... Egret. Yeah. I thought she... She was an archer. Um, oh, speaking of that, hero units. Uh, you can have Jon Snow... And when when he dies, he becomes like uh, John Stark. John. <laughs> <laughs> Comes back as uh, the undead version of himself. Uh, you could have maybe like as a myth unit, the Lady in Red. She could be kind of just a retexture of those um, madness causing myth units from um, Atlantis. What are those called? Lampids? Or... Lampides. Lampides. Yeah. Um, what other kind of god powers would you see there be? See, that would be... They would almost play a lot like the Chinese, where the god powers are all like, move a little faster for a minute. I can see... A little economic boost. I can see maybe the... Starks have a god power that is like a winter god power where it starts to snow and then non-allied buildings start taking damage. Uh, that would make sense. Winter time. is coming. Um, let's see. If, if the crows were going to be a army, like a unit, you could have Maybe you could like deploy them really cheaply, similar to the mercenary units that the Egyptians have, uh, because you know, their the night watch is really just a bunch of criminals, and, right? For the most part, they could. I don't know. You could implement them as like a house that you can only choose if you're Stark, oh. or you could implement them as their own thing. I'd really have to like dig into some of the like lore to see how you would split them up. Because yeah. I feel like the I feel like there's probably not enough there for them to be their own house. Uh, but maybe like you were saying, they could be like a mini house because like, a mini uh, secondary a gods. House. What are those called? Minor gods. Minor gods. Yeah. Yeah, so they might be a minor house. Uh, and then, I don't know, what kind of benefits would they give you? Like, besides being cheaper units. Uh, hmm. They, um... Bonus I don't really damage. know what the benefit is. Bonus damage against wildlings. <laughs> I mean, things like that are actually kind of hard to code. Oh, really? Yeah, like it's e I guess it's easy to do like bonus damage against infantry, but doing bonus damage against wildling infantry might be hard. Okay, so it's not like um, 
they're not multi-classed where it's like this thing is in a registry that tells you well, they are, but the, I don't know how to make new classes. So, like, there is a list of units that's Greek, and there can be a tag Greek in a unit. Uh-huh. But, you know, we wouldn't be using that tag anymore. Unless we oh, just you don't know repurpose. How to add new tags. Right. And I've, add, I've, like, included new tags in text and not gotten errors, but then I wasn't able to, like, act on those tags. So, I'm assuming they were not on some tag list somewhere that well, I probably didn't have access to. Uh, like they're using somewhere. Right. Are, is this XML or what tags are you talking about? Uh, yeah, it's XML. Okay, cool. Yeah, you should be able to define your own tags. Then. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, what else do we got? While we're still on the topic of uh, Game of Thrones mods and stuff. I mean... Because I was kind of saying, if if we're going to do three major gods, kind of just following the formula, mm-hmm. I was thinking it'd be uh, Stark, Lannister, and Targaryen. Or Targaryen. But there's also not a lot of Targaryen characters, right? You'd have to like start going back in time and say like Aegon. And, um, well, how many characters do you need? Um, so there's two choices every time you promote to the next age, right? But those right. aren't always. It's not two oh, yeah. unique ones for everybody. Sometimes right, there are twelve minor god options. So we need for the sieve. So we need our nine minor god options. Nine? Yeah, so you have 12 gods per, like the Norse have 12 gods. They have three major gods, and then they have nine minor gods. But there wouldn't be overlap in minor gods in this situation, right? The Starks wouldn't be selecting from the same pool as the Lannisters, right? Yes. Like, you, they couldn't both be friends with Dorne. Right. If Dorne's a minor house. Right. But if you were... So if you just went with houses and not patron characters, uh-huh. then you would have a lot of houses to choose from. There are, like, dozens of houses. Okay. And then you could make maybe make, like, shout-outs to those characters through upgrades and um, right. units, maybe. And, like, most of the houses probably have at least one named character associated with them. Gotcha. So, like, if you picked Lannister, you would start out with maybe Tywin or uh, Cersei or right. those guys. And then, oh, maybe you unlock certain family members, depending on who you ally with. That kind of... What, what'd you say? Sorry, you... Kind of well, so, the, the... They just, you know... Glitch. There are four heroes. You're still glitching. Hold on. Okay, try again. You could kind of go off of the Greek hero system. Uh-huh. Where, like, every age you get access to a new Lannister character. Uh-huh. In addition to a new minor house character. Oh, I like that. So, like, depending on who... Like, if you side with the house 
uh, a house that's like associated with where the mountain comes from, you could get like Jamie as a myth unit, and maybe the hound as a myth or as hero units. You could get like the hound or the mountain or something like that. Because there are so like I'm just looking at a list here. There are two, three, four. There are at least 48 houses in the north alone. Okay. So you could, if you have Stark as a main house, and then at each age you choose two, so you would need seven houses from the north to select from. And that most of these, you could probably find seven that have, like, you know, a great deal of detail in the mythology. So like House Mormont, House Manderley, right. House what is it? There's a Glover is a northern house. Hornwood gets a lot of time. Car Stark. Um What's the Flayman's one? Oh. Um, um Bolton. Yeah. That would be a fun one. Like you get some sort of bonus for um, killing villagers, maybe, or <laughs> something, something like unnecessary that you know, you don't have to do, but if you do it, it's kind of cruel. Or like murdering animals, but not eating any of their food. <laughs> or maybe you get like a special hound unit. Oh, the, I like that. Like scout hounds that are also attack dogs. Yeah. See, that's the sort of thing I would imagine. So, like, all of the North would play very similarly, but if you go through Bolton, you get attack dogs. If you go through Manderley, you get access to ships and better economic bonuses. And maybe certain houses, you know, obviously you get better heroes for certain houses. And... You get Brandon yeah, you the Builder, and your walls are like ice. <laughs> yeah, because Winterfell is a pretty well-made fortress, so I imagine the Stark should have some sort of wall bonus, at the very least, just for being. And then if you maybe that's maybe that's the benefit of going through the Night's Watch at the end. Oh, I like that. They get a maybe optional uh, wall upgrade. They get a wall upgrade, and maybe they get access to a myth unit. Giants. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot you could do. Now, we've been talking a lot about, like, the North has a lot of magical crap going on. Um, yeah, there's a little less everywhere else, though. But for, like, the Lannisters, they've got, like you were saying, they might get units that are alchemists. Um, maybe they get the mountain, like undead soldiers. Um, they could have, uh, units that are, what are those guys called? The, um, sages. What like the Septons? Uh, not, 
not the septons, but that that's another good thought. Uh, what are the guys with the chains? Oh, the uh, like the the holy army. Master Pycelle. Oh, Maesters. Maester, yeah. And they could, yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. what they would do, but they could like know stuff or like they could make researching cheaper if you yeah cheaper or faster. Um, what, what, what else is kind of magical slash at least elite in the West? Because hmm. I was imagining, you know, certain uh, things might not be magical, but they're rare enough that to warrant, like, yeah, like a myth unit, mythical level, like the unsolid. I'd imagine are. Um, Either not like a hero unit, but like they're sort of un unworldly in that they're not people anymore, or they've been kind of trained brutally. So you're saying that because they don't have genitals, they're not people. No, I mean like when they've been, <laughs> at least when they were not considered people, where they were just considered weapons, and the guy totally chops off that one guy's nipple, and it's not a big deal. You know, if you chopped off my nipple, it'd be a big deal. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're a wimp. Got it. Oh, Please don't cut off my nipples. Jeez, they're kind of attached. I'm a little sensitive about having my nipples cut off. Now, who would be the minor houses for the Lannisters? I could look at a list of that. Because there's like the Martells, right? And there are the. Um... Ooh, and the Vale. I guess the Vale could be a northern ally, right? Yes. And then you get like good cavalry. So, houses in the west, you've got. A lot of them that I'm not particularly familiar with. House Clegane. That's the Hound's house. Yeah, so if you side with them, you get those guys as heroes or myth units. Hawthorne, Heatherspoon, Kenning, Lannister, Lefford, Lork, Lydon, Marbrand, Moreland, Myatt, Perrin, House Payne. Ellen Payne is kind of a, a notable character. Sarwick, Sarah, Spicer. Stackspear, Swift, Tarbeck, Tun- Turnberry, Vickery. Ooh, if you... Um, I feel like it'd be kind of cool if the West sort of has um, kind of like spy sort of abilities. So, like, there's Master of Secrets, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a title <laughs> for the Crown Lands and stuff. But it'd be cool if that's like an upgrade where you get um, a little bit of omniscience for a while uh, intermittently. or so, I don't know how to implement spying, but maybe just better line of sight. Or, uh, right. Like you could even make like a, a spy unit. Ooh, yeah. Like so the, uh, the, the Loki eye power kind of creates a unit that is attached to another unit uh-huh. 
And you anyway, just it, have access to that unit. Oh. Right. So it, um, but it has a tag. It's basically, it's invisible, right? Only you can see the eye. And I have made units with that tag before that are invisible to everyone except for the owner. Ooh, that'd be cool. So I had, in my sieve, there's a, there's like a watering hole that trains animals. And you can train snakes that are invisible. They don't have any attack, but they're invisible. Ooh. So you can like send the snakes in as spies. Hmm. What something notable about uh, the other houses in the West? There's uh, the oh, so that's where I think research might come in handy. So like here, I'm just gonna send you the list of houses that I'm looking at. Like one of them, House U, their crest is a bow. So I imagine they would have good archers. Titos Lannister. Is. Oh, this is just the Westerlands. Yes. So I was seeing it being a little more um, loosey goosey here. Where, like, those flower people are also included, the Reach. The Martells. Yeah. So that is its own separate deal, I think, politically. Mm -hmm. So you, cause you don't really have to limit yourself to three. That's true. Well, I think we've talked about that for a while. <laughs> we've talked about that for like 40 minutes. So let me send you this link. It's a YouTube video. CRISPR. Yeah, it's pretty new. CRISPR is very new. Ah, so you know about CRISPR. I've heard of it, but I don't have like a, a firm understanding of it. It sounds to me that it's the ability to snip out DNA that you don't want and replace it with DNA that you do and have that new gene be executed uh, as It's like in programming when you can have overflows and you can cause the game to execute arbitrary data, like arbitrary commands. It sounds like something similar, but with DNA, where you can just take out the old instruction and put your own instruction in there and now it gets executed now i don't know have they used crispr in beyond bacteria and single-celled organisms i don't know because i know we've been able to sort of insert genes into bacteria for a really long time yes but i've heard that crispr is better yeah it's supposed to be much cheaper on one side. But I think it also there's this example in the Kurt uh in the Kurt Kazak video where they had a mouse that was like ninety-nine percent infected with HIV mm -hmm. and they were able to cut that in half and bring it down to like to forty-eight percent or something crazy. Just by changing it the way the cell's DNA was. If you want to watch that? There's a 16 minute version here. 
And um, they also have another video where they talk about using CRISPR as a tool to modify mosquitoes so that mosquitoes no longer carry malaria. Malaria. Yeah. Anyway, that sounded like you already knew about it. I've heard about it a little bit. Like, I don't think they're going to be, like, rewriting human DNA to cure cancer yet. Right. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. But uh, maybe in the future, we'll get to that point where you can, like, change your eye color by having your DNA rewritten on the fly. It reminds me of, uh, there's a Spider-Man comic. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with Sauron, the Spider-Man villain? No, I'm not. He's a uh, pterodactyl man. <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. I guess he might be more of an X-Men villain, but uh, there's a point where Spider-Man's like, wait, you can rewrite people's DNA on the fly? With that sort of technology, you could cure cancer. And then Sauron responses, yes, but I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn everyone into dinosaurs. <laughs> 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 Oh, boy. Monkey facts um, Mm -hmm. are interesting. Can you clear up a little confusion I have about Cro-Magnons? My understanding is there's, like, human, the human race, right? And then Mm -hmm. there are Neanderthal. Yes. And then there are Cro-Magnons. Are those just humans? Like pre-modern day humans? What, what are, what are Cro-Magnons? So, I'm going to collect my thoughts while I read you this dinosaur thing. It's pretty <laughs> ridiculous. So the dinosaur man, the, the pterodactyl man, he's a pteranodon man, technically, I guess he says, with the DNA we liberated from that grave desecration you call a museum, I have perfected the saurianization process. Mm-hmm. You rice paper puppets will be given forms befitting Earth's dominant species. And Spider-Man replies, you can rewrite DNA on the fly, and you're using it to turn people into dinosaurs. But with tech like that, you could cure cancer. And the response is, but I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, something rational, like turning people into seropods. And he's like riding a triceratops while he says it, so it's funnier. <laughs> All right, so what is a Cro-Magnon? Yes. All right, so human evolution mm-hmm. is... Fairly linear. Yay! I like linear things. Um, so, like, and uh, there's a lot of debate about this. Some people would split, like, Homo erectus up into multiple different species. Some people say, no, it's Homo erectus, but it changes over the course of time. Okay, so just people, but with better tools. Right. Well, there are morphological differences. Homo erectus was around for over a million years. So, like, the oldest Homo erectus and the youngest are anatomically distinguishable. You can look at them and say, okay, this is clearly a younger individual, like a younger sample. Okay. So, like, over time, certain features like their eyes or brow or brain size changes. 
Yes. Okay. Because you know, a million years is a long time but, to exist. But they they wouldn't know if they could still breed with their older ancestors, right? Right. We don't know. Okay. And so some people would argue that you have Homo erectus transitions into Homo heidelbergensis in Europe and Homo ergaster in Central Africa or whatever. And some people would say, well, no, they're all Homo erectus. There's just regional variants. Okay. And so. So it's kind of like when people were like, oh, these people are the mongoloids and these are the. Um, what, what did they call them all? Like, there's that there's, old theory where there's different races. Are different right. So species. they used to break us down in groids and caucasoids. Caucasoid. Which is a ridiculous thing. That's a whole other topic. But so, um, after Homo erectus, mm-hmm. you get archaic Homo sapiens. So, you and I are Homo sapiens sapiens. Oh. We're a subspecies of Homo sapiens. So, after Homo erectus, you start to see Homo sapiens. But they're, you know, they're morphologically distinct. In what way? Uh, they're more robust. So, like, our skeletons are thicker? Or... Yeah, so, and they're a little tougher. And they're also, you know, they fit a certain time period. <laughs> okay. All right, and then you transition from archaic Homo sapiens, which some of them have, like, a little bit of Homo erectus features to them. Some of them don't. And then you transition into anatomically modern humans. Okay. So any skeleton from a certain period that's Homo sapiens sapiens, you know, it's indistinguishable. Okay. So it'd be like if I was alive a million years ago or however long ago. Yeah, any time over the last 2,000 years, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between you and other sapiens sapiens. Sorry, what was that time scale? Like 200,000 years. 200,000 years. Okay. So it would just be me, but maybe has a, has longer, shaggier hair. And, right. Uh, maybe better understanding well, where plants are. Right. Your diet and things might impact how tall you are or something like that. But yeah, gross skeletal features would be similar. Okay, gotcha. Now, Neanderthals are probably a separate subspecies. So Homo sapiens neanderthalensis. There's debate about this, but that seems to be where the evidence is pointing now. Okay, so we would be cousins? Uh, How how does that look like on a family? We'd be pretty closely related. So you'd have Homo sapiens, which would branch into at least two, sapiens sapiens, and sapiens neanderthalensis. Oh, then we'd be like brothers. Yes, more closely related than, say, Bornean and Sumatran orangutans, which are different species. Okay. So, like, there are, like, four or five subspecies of chimpanzee. There's Pan troglodytes schweinfurthii and Pan troglodytes verus from different parts of the continent. Now, subspecies are able to breed cross subspecies? Yes. Okay. You can hybridize subspecies, but there are certain 
you know, they're regionally distinct. You can tell them apart. And that might be at the genetic level. It might not be morphological. You know, you might not know the difference by looking, but you, you could. Like certain subspecies of snakes, the main difference that you see, it's like, oh, the, the pattern is different. Mm-hmm. But some subspecies, you wouldn't know by looking, but if you look at the genes, you see that they're genetically distinct. Okay. And Cro-Magnons would be Homo sapiens sapiens. And some of the first to arrive in Europe would be Cro-Magnons. Okay, so Cro-Magnon is a group, like a social group of... Kind of, yeah. Okay. So humans arrived in, like, Europe 40,000 years ago. And so they'd been in Africa for 200,000 years, Homo sapiens sapiens. But we didn't get out of Africa immediately. Okay, so we kind of just slowly spread out over time. Right, and I think the Cro-Magnons encountered Neanderthals either in Europe or in Asia. I'd have to look up. I want to say it's Europe, because I feel Cro-Magnon has something to do with France. Yeah, I thought it was France and Germany. Right, so 40,000 years ago, Homo sapiens sapiens shows up in that area of Europe and encounters their brother species, Homo sapiens Neanderthalensis. Okay. Now, how did Neanderthalensis get there if, like, when Actually, we're hanging out in Africa? Mothers. What? They're much older species than, maybe not much older, but they're a little older, I think. So... I think they had just spread out and technologically adapted to the climate. Because, hmm. okay, so if we're, like, brothers, right? Mm-hmm. We would have... That doesn't mean that we became brothers. Uh, like I'm imagining that there's one Homo sapien group, right? And mm-hmm. over time, they become far enough away from one another where certain genes aren't getting spread. Right. And some are becoming more popular, like maybe having like a thicker brow or you know, like being hairier or something like that. Yeah, so what probably happened was a population left Africa and diverged while the population that remained continued on whatever path they were on. Okay, so the Neanderthals would be that group that left, right? Yes, they left at a different time, probably earlier. Okay. I'm not sure off the top of my head how much earlier. And the Cro-Magnons are just a historical time frame of modern humans that left Africa. Yes. They're not like a separate species of human. They're like a a group. And there is some evidence because some people think they showed up and just killed all the Neanderthals. Uh But in recent years there's more evidence that they showed up and they just outnumbered the Neanderthals by like 10 to 1 and then fucked them out of existence. Like the Neanderthal genes, because they were so heavily outnumbered, just got diluted into the gene pool. So a lot of people of European descent have like 3% Neanderthal DNA. Okay, but like other racial groups don't have that. Like I wouldn't expect very much, if any, Neanderthal DNA in Native Americans. I wouldn't expect it in Africans. 
you might expect it in like Central Asians and maybe East Asians too, because Neanderthals were in like the Middle East and down into Asia. I'd have to look at a map of where Neanderthals dispersed, like what their range was. Okay. But I wouldn't expect it in all groups. Maybe a little. So I guess if you have it in East Asians, you might expect it in Native Americans, because Native Americans left twelve to fifteen to twenty thousand years ago, which was after Neanderthals were already gone. But I would, you know, definitely Europeans and definitely some like more Central and Middle Eastern Asians could have Neanderthal DNA. Hmm. Thanks for clearing that up. I, I was always like, for magnets. Are those people? And it's kind of nice that we probably didn't just kill everybody. Yeah, I like the idea of having sex with a population so much that they stop existing. <laughs> That's how I want to get rid of all the cats. You you want to get rid of all the cats by having sex with them, Ben? <laughs> Until they don't exist. <laughs> It's oh. the best way to exterminate everything you don't like. Cockroaches are next on the list. <laughs> oh my god. Um, remind me to never let you see my cat. <laughs> I've already seen Squeezy. Squeezy. Can you tell me again your uh, e-dating experience? Oh, yes, the, uh, the robot. <laughs> the robot who was a very attractive female engineer who uh, went on a trip to Nigeria, complained about running out of money, and then when I just didn't offer to give her money, never talked to me again. How stereotypical is that scheme, though? I am currently in Nigeria. Why I require funds. Gotta go down to Nigeria. I wonder if they have like a weird tax system that benefits these sort of things. Oh, that makes sense. Hmm. I'm going to have to learn stuff about Nigeria. Yeah, maybe we should all be funneling our money into Nigeria. <laughs>